this computer. This is the uh, this is a shear on Likute Sichais book twenty Chelakov the Sicha Vayishlach the first Sicha on the verse in the Torah that says Vayorot Esav Likrosay Esav the setup here is that Yaakov is coming back to his father's house he's coming back fully loaded with all kinds of uh, gifts with his wife with his kids with uh, a lot of wealth and he's prepared and he sent a gift to Esav. And now, Esav runs towards him, when he embraces him, when he falls on his neck, when he kisses him, and they both weep. So Rashi quotes the word, and they embraced, and he embraced him, that Esav embraced Yaakov, not yet kissing, when he embraced him, and he explains, that Esav's mercy had been aroused, when he had seen that Yaakov was, had bowed all of these bowings. It aroused something, it moved something in Esau's heart, and he embraced him, in other words, wholeheartedly. Then Rashi brings the word that says, sub subsequent to the embrace, it says, he kissed him. And he says, on the word, and he kissed him, Nokudalov, there are dots. It's in the Chumash, and of course, in the even in the Sefer there are dots on top of that word. Um, in a Sefer that doesn't have actually Nikud, doesn't have uh, punctuation, and doesn't have uh, Nikudas, doesn't have vowels. Why are the dots on it? The dots are to tell us something, but there's an argument about what it tells us. Yesh Chilkim, Badover Azebi Braisa, the Sifri, in the Braisa that's brought in the book of Halachic Medrash called Sifri. Sifri and Braisa are all approximately around the same time, the time of the Mishnah. So in that compilation of Medrash, in this word, where it says he, Esau kissed Yaakov, but it, there's dots on top of the word, there's an argument, what do the dots mean? Yeah, some say that the dots mean that he didn't, it diminishes the kiss, to say it wasn't a kiss wholeheartedly. Omar Rabbi Shimon ben Yoichoi, Rabbi Shimon ben Yoichoi says, Look, the way I see the dots is different. True, it's a halacha, it's a, it's, it's a fact of life that Esau hates Yaakov. This instance was different. This instance, Yaakov's mercy was aroused, as we have already indicated, and he did give him a wholehearted kiss. Unusual. Esau's mercy, sir. Thank you. And Esau gave Yaakov a wholehearted kiss in this instance, Against the halacha, in other words, not against the law, but against the law of nature, so to speak, almost the 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 um, against his his nature. We have to understand why does Rashi explain the word and he embraced him. So Rashi, in in the word about the kiss, Rashi gives two options: either uh, it was a real kiss because at this moment, it, 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 because at this moment, sorry, either it was not a real kiss. It was just a token kiss. Or it was a real kiss, but this was an unusual thing. It was an aberration. It was it was not like the rule. That's the two options Rashi gives in the kiss. But before the kiss came an embrace. So we have to understand why Rashi explains the embrace. He doesn't give the option that it wasn't real. He goes with the second opinion and he says that this kiss was a real kiss. Usually it isn't. 
uh, the embrace, sorry, the embrace was a real embrace because of the arousal of mercy through the submission of Yaakov to Esau. He bowed to him. He gave him so much honor. Esau was moved to change his attitude and he really gave him a real embrace. But why doesn't Rashi give that there's two opinions? A real embrace or not a real embrace? He just says it was a real embrace, quite like this, like the like the second way that we explain the kiss. Now it's very difficult to say that Rashi says, look, I'm not going to tell you that there's two options to how you see the embrace, real or not real, because I'm about to say that there's two options to understand the kiss. There's an opinion that the kiss wasn't real. So obviously, go back and understand that the embrace also wasn't real. That doesn't make sense because on the kiss. Rashi said it wasn't a real kiss because there was dots about the embrace. The word, and he embraced him, doesn't have any special indication. So you, you, you can't assume that we would say that the same argument that's going on about kiss is going on about the embrace. So why on the embrace does he say it was real? About the kiss, he has two opinions. And Rashi should have explained that there's an opinion that it wasn't a real embrace. Unless there's no opinion like that, but where would we get that from? Paragraph 2. Also we have to understand in the in the Rashi that starts with a heading and he kissed him, why does Rashi need to talk about two interpretations? Rashi, Rashi is not a smorgasbord of interpretations of how to read the, past, the Torah. Rashi gives you the Literal interpretation according to the way our sages taught it. When there is a difficulty, when something is, is not 100% easy to read or doesn't, doesn't sit well, one way Rashi gives, well, there's another option how to read it, but there's always a reason why he brings two. If, it's, if there's a simple way to read it, even though there may be other opinions, he won't bring them. Why does Rashi bring two opinions here about the kiss? More than that, from the fact that Rashi says at the beginning of his interpretation of the kiss, he says, there are those that argue about this matter. So we understand that Rashi is telling us both interpretations fit equally well in the Pasuk. You see, usually when Rashi brings two explanations on one Pasuk, what we say is that the one he brought first is the more simple one. That's why he brought it first. It's simpler to the literal understanding of the Pasuk. However, in this instance where Rashi says, before he even goes into the interpretations, he says there's an argument and there's two ways of looking at it. The reason he says that is because I, he says, I'm going to give you two standpoints equally valid in the literal reading of the Pasuk. Now, the would seem to be the which one is simpler to read into the Pasuk. It seems that it's they're not equal. The simpler one to read into the Pasuk would be, what did we say, the Nikud? When there's dots on, on the word, what do, what do the dots come to do? We know that the not, dots come to diminish the meaning of the word. Don't read the word. So in this case, the kiss, don't read the kiss so strongly. Read the kiss as telling you that, the, in other words, the kiss was diminished. It wasn't a real kiss. However, Rabbi Shimon and Yerchai, so that's the first interpretation Rashi says. He kissed him, but it wasn't a real kiss. Well, that fits with the Nikod. That would fit with the dots that are to be found on top of the word by Yishokeyu and Esau kissed him. The dots fit. The dots fit the diminishment of that puzzle. 
However, according to Rabbi Shimon Vayichai, the second opinion that's been brought in the interpretation of the word by Yishakeh when he kissed him. So it's not understood. What is added? Why is that? Why, what is what did we gain from the dots that have been positioned on top of the word by Yishakeh when he kissed him? I mean, according to Rabbi Shimon Yochai, there's no diminishment of the kiss. It's a real kiss. So what are the dots? What do the dots uh, add to the meaning of that word? Why are there dots? So it would seem that while Rashi says there's an argument, and he seems to be indicating that both interpretations are valid, from the mere fact, the reality is that one interpretation seems more valid to explain away why there are dots. Because one, the first interpretation says, the kiss was not real. According to Rabbi Shumachai, where the kiss was real in this instance, Usually it wouldn't have been, but in this case it was, it was real. What do the dots indicate? So there are commentaries that learn that this exactly is what Rabbi Shimon is coming to say. Shimon is coming to say that usually it's the rule that Esav hates Yaakov, and therefore usually, if I didn't have any other indication, I would say the kiss was not real. And if you didn't put a dot, you would understand it, it was a diminished kiss because that's the reality of Esau's relation with Yaakov. He doesn't like him. We would not we would know that without putting any indication in the word, without putting any dots. The the nikud, the dots come to say, on the contrary, it diminishes. When we read the Pasuk simply, the kiss is not a real kiss. Because Esau can't give Yaakov a real kiss. The, the dots on top say that that rule of hatred is diminished. The natural default that you expect that this kiss is not a kiss, that is diminished. It was a real kiss in this instance. But in that case, really the, the nikod, the dots are not taking away from the meaning of the word and he kissed him. The contrary, it lands up in a roundabout way, strengthening the kiss. It's a real kiss. So that's unlike other places where the Torah uses the dots, where it actually diminishes the actual word, the power of the word that is dotted on. So why does Rashi bring also the interpretation of Shem Ben Yechai and introduce both interpretations by saying there's an argument? As if both ways of reading the Pasuk are equally literal. They're not equally literal. The more literal one is that the Vayishakeyu was not real. Now, even though both interpretations are indeed brought down in the Braisa of Sifri, so in that Midrashic compilation called the Sifri, however, Rashi doesn't usually bring um, the Drashas, Rashi does not usually bring the words of Chazal, the words of Asajah, unless there's a, a meaning and a need in the literal understanding of the Torah. So we're still, we're grappling with, we understand what by Yishakeh, there's two ways of looking at the kiss of Esau, either it was a real kiss, or it was a diminished kiss. Half-hearted kiss. But we want to understand why Rashi needs to bring both of those. The simple, literal way would be, it was a diminished kiss. Or, at least that's the more simple way. If you want to bring another interpretation, bring it as a second one. But Rashi seems to bring both as being equally valid. 
So we need to have more um, understanding of what Rashi's, what picture Rashi is painting for us in the narrative of this story. Paragraph three. You also have to understand the two interpretations on the word and he kissed him are brought elsewhere. The Sifri, the book of Medrash called Sifri, is not the only place that these two interpretations are, are brought. Why is Rashi particular? It says, I'm bringing it from the Sifri. What, what, the Brisa of the Sifri. It's also in the Medrash called Bereshus Rabbah. It's in the regular Medrash Rabbah, which Rashi quotes all the time. It's also in a in a in a work of Mishnah called Aves the Rabbi Nosan. There's Pirkei Avot, five chapters. There's twenty something chapters, if I'm not mistaken, called Avot the Rabbi Natan, the teachings, also ethical teachings of Rabbi Nosan. Also, there is brought this interpretation, the argument about how the kiss of Esav should be understood. So why does Rashi bring? You see that Rashi pinpoints and says, "I'm bringing this from the Brisa of Sifri." Why is it so significant that he he emphasizes? where he's bringing it from, and why does he indeed bring it only from that place and not from sources which he's more familiar with bringing, usually, like the Medrash, Medrash Rabbah. The fact that Rashi doesn't bring both opinions from the Medrash, we could say, because the second opinion, which here is Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai, um, because there, no, the second opinion there, which is Rabbi Yanai, who said he... That, that the dot on the on the word that Esav kissed him is a diminishment. That what? He didn't come to kiss him. He came to bite him. He wanted to kill him. But Yaakov's neck turned into stone. Became like marble. His teeth broke. So that doesn't fit in the literal reading of the of the puzzle. By Yishakeh means he kissed him. It's not he bit him. So that's Medrashik. That Rashi, maybe that's why Rashi doesn't bring it from the Medrash, because that Medrash injects something which is not literal. Rashi is sticking to literal. Pshat. Also, the um when you say that he wanted to bite him, the dot is not diminishing the kiss, it's totally uprooting the kiss. It's it's as if it wipes out the word kiss and say bite. So perhaps that's why Rashi doesn't want to bring from the Medrash, because the Medrash, when he says he didn't kiss him with all his heart, actually says he wanted to bite him. I never liked him. What? Anyway, kiss of death, like, uh, because he wanted to kill him. Uh, yeah. I never liked him. Yeah. However, the first opinion where he says <clears throat> that this kiss was real in this instance because Esau's mercy was aroused, that in the Medrash is the opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, <clears throat> Which that fits the opinion of Hashem ben Yechai. Um, why doesn't uh, especially that that um, Rashi has already in a previous occasion brought that the one who tells us that a dot on top of the word diminishes the strength of the word is Rabbi Shem ben Elazar, who. In the Medrash, Rabbah does say that this kiss was a real kiss. So why doesn't he bring at least that opinion from Medrash Rabbah? In other words, he doesn't have to quote this, both these opinions from Sifri. He can quote at least the opinion that it was a real kiss from the words of Rabbi Shimon ben Allah in the Medrash Rabbah. Additionally, in the tractate we say is called Aves de Rabbi Nosan, like the Pirkei Aves of Rabbi Nosan, both both opinions are there. And in a succinct, in a clear way, the language there is as follows. Melame, this teaches us, he didn't kiss him. 
genuinely. Rabbi Shimon Meloza says, this kiss was genuine, all the rest were not. So why Rashi? Why doesn't Rashi bring from that location, from Ovis Rabbanos? Why is he particularly bringing the Sifri? And he says, I'm bringing, that there's some that argue in the Bryce and Sifri. He's very particular about highlighting where he's bringing it from. Why does he also put in the names of who said it? Rabbi Shimon ben Yechoi. He doesn't always bring the names. And also, why does he first introduce this by saying, usually it's known, it's a halacha, almost as dependable as a rule that Esau hates Yaakov. What's that got to do with the literal interpretation? Especially that, <laughs> that Rabbi Shmuel Yochai is saying, usually it's a halacha that Esav Yitzhak, but this time it didn't, it wasn't. This time he actually kissed him with all his heart. So why introduce that usually it wouldn't have been a proper kiss? We don't need that to understand the literal understanding. He brings a, he throws a, uh, he throws a spanner in the works. Usually Esav wouldn't be kissing Yaakov. Oh, but this time it happened to be, it was a real kiss. So let's understand all these things. It would seem that we would be able to answer the questions we asked by giving the following interpretation. According to both opinions, the, 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 the dots on top of the word diminish, make weaker the word, and he kissed him. You'll see, you look in the Chumash, you'll see there's five dots. Five dots on top of those words, on top of the, each one, each one on top of a letter. So that comes to diminish. The difference is that if he didn't kiss him wholeheartedly, so then what the dots did is they diminished the kiss. The kiss is not a real kiss. According to Rabbi Shim ben Yechai, the kiss doesn't, the, the dots are not diminishing the word kiss. The dots are diminishing the, the context, the, the kiss in the context of this placement of the kiss. In other words, when you talk about a, a Esau to Yaakov kiss, you assume, because it's known that Esau hates Yaakov. So the assumption is that the kiss is not a real kiss. <laughs> when we put dots on it, we're now not diminishing the word kiss. We're diminishing the contextual understanding of this kiss as being unreal. We're saying, no, diminish that unrealness. It was real in this case. According to this, we'll understand. Now, first of all, both interpretations fit with a dot in the literal meaning, in pshat. In other words, it does come to diminish. The question is, does it diminish the actual kiss or does it diminish the fakeness of the kiss? Which, when you speak about a kiss for Esau Yaakov, you know that it's usually fake or not, not genuine. Number two, the reason why we also brought the opinion of Rabbi Shimon and Yechai is because according to the first opinion that the kiss is diminished, it wasn't a real kiss, so then the word, and he kissed him, should have been just on four letters, Vayishak, and he kissed. It's on the fifth letter also, and he kissed him. That fits more with Rabbi Shemim and Yechai, who says that he kissed him. In other words, to say that he kissed him, which we would usually understand to be not a real kiss, because he kissed him. Esau kissing Yaakov, not real. No, so now, Esau kissing Yaakov is not real. So he puts a dot also on Esau kissing Yaakov to diminish the usual supposition of it being ingenuine. So that makes more sense in a way why each of the letters has a dot on it. Number three, why does Rashi bring from Sifri and not from Avis Rebbe Nason? Very simple now, we understand. Because in Sifri it says, 
there's a halacha, there's an unwritten rule that Esav hates Yaakov. But at this time, his mercy was aroused and he kissed him with all his heart. So in that language that's brought in the Sifri in particular, you understand the power, you understand the, 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 the you understand very clearly that the default of and he kissed him in the context of Esav kissing Yaakov is an ingenuine kiss. The dots diminish that ingenuine, ingenuity, ingenuity and make it real at that moment. So you need that clarity of the Sifri. The Sifri says very clearly, it was not, it would not have been a real kiss usually. This time it was. So now we have the, the dots on top playing their function of diminishment in a clear way. That's why he brings from that source. That source spells it out so clearly. Number four, the fact that he also brings the names of who's saying it, Rabbi Shimon Yechoi, is because we know something about Rabbi Shimon, which is true in all of his outlook on the Torah. Rabbi Shimon, Stam <laughs> Rabbi Shimon is Rabbi Shimon Yechoi. Rabbi Shimon is what we say, Dorish Taima Dekro. Rabbi Shimon looks behind the reasoning of the Pasuk. He doesn't just look at the words. He looks at why the words are being said, why this instruction is being given. What's behind it? So now we understand. He looks a little deeper. I said, I'm not just looking at the kiss and what the dot will diminish in terms of the strength of the kiss. If the dot is just diminishing the actual word of kiss, it's saying it's not a genuine kiss. Rabbi Shimon looks deeper and he says, this kiss is a, in the first place, an ingenuine one, according to our basic assumption. Now that we diminish it, it means that really this time it was genuine. We diminish the ingenuine ingenuity of the 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 the, 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 the non the non whatever. <coughs> we we uh, yeah, we we make weaker the falseness of the kiss, and in this case, it's actually a true kiss. So when when it says the Vayishakeu Esav kissed Yaakov, he learns. He looks behind as to the reason, and he understands that. This is really a a, a a a hater, somebody who hates Yaakov is kissing. So that's that's really what's going on here. If I look into the background of this kiss that Esau really hates Yaakov, he's kissing him. The background is it's not a real kiss. Ah, now comes the dots. They diminish this. It's telling us this case it really was a real kiss. However, paragraph five, that's not 100% smooth. Why? Because... In all the other places that the Torah has dots on top of a word, there's not so many places, it makes the word itself, the meaning of the word, diminished. So it's difficult to say that here it's diminishing the general context of this kiss and not actually diminishing the word. Is it always five dots? No. In this case, it also doesn't have to be five. It's, it's dots on top of the... We figure out from the dots also on which letters it's 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 putting the dot, and sometimes we take away those letters and we see which letters are left, and we learn from that. Each place we have to see exactly how it works. But here it seems that learning Rabbi Shimon and Yerchai's pshat, the 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 dots are not doing what they usually do, which is to diminish the word. So it's not so it's not so smooth. So we also have to understand three other things. First of all, what does Rashi mean to say? that the Machlekes is in the Braisa of Sifri. Number two, 
what does it mean that it's halacha? It's like a law that Esau hates Yaakov. He could have just said it's known. Why halacha? Number three, in most of the prints of the Sifri that we have, so the language there is that usually it would be an ingenuine kiss because Esau hates Yaakov, but his mercy was overturned. Here Rashi brings which means his mercy was softened. Why is there a difference in the language that are he quotes the Sifri, but he has some kind of a different version, and he chooses that version, which is not that Esau's um, usual anger was overturned to mercy, but it was rather the word about softening, nichmiru, it was like melted, softened. Why that change? Now, these three questions in and of themselves, Rabbi, he pretty much explained the Rashi, but he says it's not smooth and I didn't, I'm not stopping to, to delve into these questions because the purpose of these questions is really, I think, to get to an answer, which once we have the answer, we'll see how those three questions just point us to a deeper shot. Not that we, we could live with these three questions. They're, it's kind of nit, I don't say nitpicking, but it's kind of, uh, um, you know, picking at certain things which most people wouldn't. And sometimes if you have a good answer, then those questions, uh, you know, highlight that. But uh, even the way it's presented here, it says it's not smooth, but it's not like uh, <clears throat> some questions you can't fall asleep at night because of questions. There's other questions that hmm, interesting. It doesn't, it could have, could have been other language. Why does he use this language? But they lead, when you pay attention to the small details, you can then come up with a deeper meaning in the entire background of the story. So let's go and jump into the chapter, paragraph six. Their beer because they have the explanation about all this is. Rashi comes here to answer. Not, he's not trying to explain the dots on the word and he kissed him by Yishakeu. Because as we've said many times, Rashi does not have to explain every time there's dots on the word. In the literal shot of Torah, Rashi says the five-year-old can carry on life without knowing, <clears throat> can understand the Torah without knowing why there's dots. That's already medrash. Dots are already a deeper level of learning. Rashi comes to give literal shot. So therefore, what we have to say is that when Rashi is coming to talk about the dots, it's not because it's a question in uh, it's not a question in literal meaning of the, of the verse. And therefore, he doesn't have to, when he's explaining literal Torah, he doesn't have to explain every dot. By the way, there's another group of things he doesn't explain, which is chasir and yatir. There's sometimes a word is written with a vav or without a vav, with a yud, without a yud. That's you. You can learn a lot of stuff from that. The medrash learns from that. The gemara learns from that. There's a lot of stuff being learned from that. Rashi doesn't deal with it. The five year old doesn't get to that level. He doesn't need to know that. That's not relevant to pshutei shomirka to the literal meaning. Same thing with the dots on top of the word, unless there's a question that we need to answer, which doesn't sit well in the simple meaning of. In the simple understanding of the puzzle, then Rashi says, Ah, now let's look at what can help us understand the simple reading because there may be dots here, there may be extra extra letters, less letters, and that will help us understand the Pshutashomika, the simple reading. So, what's Rashi coming to address here, really? Not the dots. Rashi is coming to answer a question. What's the question you could have him shot? The simple reading of the story. How is it that Asaph is all of a sudden? totally transformed from one extreme to the other. He came armed, and the angel said, he's, he's here to kill you. All of a sudden, 
he has this endearment and this love to Yaakov. Yeah. Now we know that Esav, Esav, Esav held a big grudge against Yaakov, we know. <clears throat> he wanted to kill him. He had to, Yaakov had to run away. And when the angels came back and they gave a report, they said, you think he's your brother? He's <laughs> Esav, he still hates you. That's about, that's a couple hours before. Then all of a sudden Esav meets Yaakov. They're about to do war. All of a sudden, he's coming with 400 people. And now, all of a sudden, we're talking about love. Where, where did that happen? What took place? What went on over here? So Rashi explains that the Vayichabekeu, something special happened. In the embrace, there's no two ways of learning it. Rashi says, I don't, I don't want to tell you that maybe it was insincere. Something extraordinarily mahapchani, uh, um, um, uh, something extraordinarily revolutionary happened. Esav his mercies kind of rolled in, so to speak. He kind of got overturned. And all of a sudden he had mercy. <coughs> Why? What caused it? He saw Yaakov submitting himself, bowing, all these bowings. It says that Yaakov bowed and bowed as he came towards Esav. And all of a sudden he had a change of heart toward, Esav, toward Yaakov. And there's no argument about this. Rashi says, this is the literal reading of the, of the Pasuk. I don't want to even bring you any argument. About this, there's no argument. When it comes to, and he kissed him, now that's already a bigger form of expression of love than embrace. It shows on a deeper um, on a deeper outpouring of emotion, of a of an arousal of love, of additional love in the heart, to the point that you can't it, speaking lovingly is not it wouldn't express the feeling you have. Even an embrace, a hug, doesn't express the feeling you have for that person. It needs to get even deeper, even further, even closer, even more intimate. It goes to a kiss. Just like that, it puts in brackets here, that five-year-old sees that there's, there's, there, there's value in terms of a loving relationship to kiss over embrace. I mean, he, he knows it by himself and the way his parents relate to him. They give him a kiss, it means that they're, they're expressing their love to him in a deeper way. So now, one second, one second. Just because Yaakov bowed and Esau's heart was turned over with mercy, but that means he lost his, 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 his identity and his hatred totally to an extreme that he even kissed him. That's already, um, that's already got two ways of looking at it. Mainly you say he embraced him and he was ready not to kill him. Okay. But then he mamish started to love him and kiss him. That's, that's, that's a real extreme Reversal. So that's what Rashi says. There's a dot on the word kiss. And you got to know what the dot means. The dot is telling us something we should be aware of even in the simple reading. You're asking, the kid's asking, are you serious? Asim now kisses him? And Rashi says, no, no, no. Mr. Five-year-old, young man, young lad. There's, there's dots on there. It's telling us that it was a weak kiss. The kiss, there was a diminished one. It wasn't a real kiss. You're right. You're right. It wasn't an expression of true love. <clears throat> and in this, Rashi explains about this as an argument. The fact that he kissed him, the fact that the kiss is not a real kiss, we can explain in two ways. First of all, some said that the dots are to tell us he didn't kiss him wholeheartedly. Even though the embrace was a trans was a transformation in terms of his mercy that was aroused. <clears throat> on his brother, which led to the kiss, 
but the embrace was real, the kiss not. There's a second opinion that at that moment, his mercy was softened and he did kiss him with all his heart. That after the embrace, which came because of a trans, an arousal of mercy, at that time, when he embraced him, his mercy got even further softened and it was a, a hot and strong emotional upheaval and indeed that expressed itself in a kiss with all his heart, a genuine kiss. However, since the, the excitement about this kiss was only at that time, it's not a real enduring transformation. Even if we say at that time was a genuine kiss, it wasn't a transformation that's going to have any longevity. Which means that it's still a diminished kiss, even if it's a real one at this time. But in the context of did this person really change, it was just a temporary uh, upheaval of his emotion. Paragraph seven, in order to emphasize that even according to Rabbi Shimon Yechai, that he kissed him with all his heart, there was no real transformation. It really wasn't really truthfully a permanent transformation. So he says that the word. And to point out that the dots on the word by Yishakeh and he kissed him do diminish. So Rashi first makes a disclaimer. He says, I'm about to tell you that this was a real kiss, but it's only a real kiss within the context of it's a halacha, it's a rule that Esav hates Yaakov. <clears throat> halacha means a rule, a law, something that can't change. It's like a rule of nature. And this, uh, even a five-year-old understands, he's learned, he hasn't learned Mishnah Gemara, but he sees every day that we pay attention to halachas, when we say something's a halacha, it can't be changed. Nobody nobody questions their father when he says, sorry, you can't do this, that's the halacha. Okay, the halacha. Immutable, unnegotiable. So Rashi says, first of all, you should know that Esau hates Yaakov. I, that Rabbi Shimon Yechai, and Rabbi Shimon Yechai even says this here, before I'm going to tell you about the kiss being a real kiss, I'm going to tell you that really Esau hates Yaakov. And that doesn't change, because it's a halacha. <clears throat> Just like a law. However, in this case, the kiss was an arousal and a, trans and a softening of his mercy at that time, and he did kiss him with all his heart. We find similar things in halacha that it could be sometimes a concept of a temporary, one-time exception that's made. It's called a hira shah. You know, a, a, a halacha can never be changed, but like the story of Elioa Novi at the Mount Carmel, where you're not allowed to bring sacrifices usually on an outside altar, on a bummer. But here there's a showdown between the prophets of the Baal and Elio, the prophet of Hashem, and Elio institutes that he's going to bring a sacrifice outside the Beis Amikdash in a bummer, sanctioned by Hashem. Aye, the question is, we know the Torah can't be changed. Can't change the Torah even by a prophet. You can't change the Torah. You can't change Allah. But there can be a temporary exception that a Navi, that a prophet can get an instruction to do something temporarily. A, 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 an aberration, not a change, but a, uh, <clears throat> a temporary exception. Huh. So what we have is, and we as we learned, that Yaakov was considered an Ishkam. Yaakov was a, was a, a wholesome person, but when he needed to come and fool his father, because his father wanted to give the brachas to Esau, and his mother instructed him to go. How did he get them? He came and he came in a crafty way. 
However, even when he does that, it's in a way which earns his father's approval in the end, because his father says, no, gam baruch yeh, he should be blessed. In other words, the mirma, the, the aberration, it's not that Yaakov turned into a crafty, sly person. He needed to employ temporarily, in, 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 in an exceptional way, one of his brother's tools in order to achieve that what he needs to achieve to get the brachot. But it's not that he had changed. Yeah. So if we understand that there's halacha, there's something that's an accepted rule, but then there are sometimes temporary changes. So we'll understand. And in this case, Rashi's trying to tell us, Rabbi Shimon Yechai is really telling us that there was a, a temporarily this was a real kiss. But first he tells you, don't get mistaken. This wasn't a change of persona of Esau. His, his basic rule of him hating Yaakov didn't change. So therefore the Neshika, even though I'm going to say that it was a real kiss, but I'm still going to tell you, that it was a diminished kiss in the overall persona of Esau. It was right here, it was a real kiss, but Esau didn't truly trans become transformed and become a kissing person. Paragraph 8. According to this, we also understand, A, what Rashi brings, Rashi doesn't bring the argument from Avistar Abnasan. Avistar Abnasan said it, summed it up very clearly. He says he didn't kiss him truthfully, usually, uh, or the, the other opinion is this, this kiss was truthful because according to both opinions, the way we're learning Rashi, even our Shimon who says this kiss was was real, it wasn't, it was a real kiss here, but it wasn't a kiss of Emes. In other words, it didn't belie the truth of Esau. The truth of Esau hadn't changed. The kiss was a real kiss, but Esau's persona was still Esau's persona and he still wanted to, he still hated Yaakov because when we say MS, we have to be careful. The word truth means it's unchanged, unchanging. The question is, how much is the truth of the actual kiss? That's the argument. According to the first opinion, even the kiss wasn't true. The, the embrace was true. But to get to the level of kiss, that wasn't true. The second opinion, here the actual act of the kiss was true. But still, there's a halacha, there's a, there's an un, there's a status that Esau has that he hates Yaakov, and that didn't change in a, in a truth in, in a truthful, long-standing way. We also understand now why Rashi doesn't bring the lashon of the sifri that his that his mercy was was transformed. The sifri says transformed. Rashi stays away from that word because transformation means that now he really has a love. Rashi inserted the word nichmiru. Nichmiru means that he got that he was warmed up. His he was warmed up to the state of having a good emotional feeling towards towards Yaakov, but that doesn't mean that he had a transformation. Also, now we understand why he why he brings from the Brisa of Sifri. If he wouldn't state the exact place that he's bringing from, we could say that the expression that's used, that it's a halacha, that Esau hates Yaakov, is not a real halacha. In other words, we're only saying that in the Medrash. When a Medrash says that there's a halacha, it doesn't mean halacha as ironclad. <laughs> but when you bring from a Braisa of Sifri, the book of Sifri is a book of halacha. It's from a place in the Torah, which is the source of halacha. When a book of halacha says it's a halacha, <clears throat> that Esau hates Yaakov, it means that this is not allegory. This is saying it's as it's as ironclad and as dependable as halacha that Esau hates Yaakov as a rule. 
That's why he brings, Rashi wants to emphasize that, that here there was no real transformation. There was a real kiss, but not a transformation of Esau as a person. Paragraph nine, what we still need. So we've basically explained why the um, why Rashi in the, in the embrace doesn't bring two opinions, because he says something happened here transformative on a certain level. <laughs> Yaakov bowed down and Esau's mercy was aroused and the embrace was true. Aye, the kiss, that's a little too much. There's different, and, and the Torah puts dots on top of the word, the kiss. The kiss is either diminished, it wasn't a real kiss, or, yes, it was, usually we would assume it's diminished here, the kiss itself was, was inspired, Rabbi Shimon Yafai says, by the warmth of emotion that Esau had, but still, the diminishment is still there. Not in the actual kiss, but the diminishment is there in what the kiss denotes, in the, in the genuineness long-term of the kiss of Esau. Paragraph 9. We still have to understand, though, why is it, what forces us to say in the simple reading of the Pasuk that when it says he kissed him with all his heart, um, why do we, in other words, why why can't we learn that the kiss was, was not real? On the contrary, if Rabbi Shimon Yechai himself is of the opinion that there's a halacha, that Esau hates Yaakov, why do we need to go and say that in this case it was true? Why, doesn't, why don't we just go with that one simple opinion? That the that the, the 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 dots tell us there was it wasn't a real kiss. The embrace was good, but not the kiss. So the explanation is like this: from the whole discussion of this parsha, from the whole um, context of this story, it seems that Asav was really in a very intense state of emotional arousal. As the pasuk says, after it says that he kissed him, it says and he cried, he wept. And that's really, weeping is a great expression, is a, uh, a very visible expression of overwhelming emotions. Similarly, we see when Esau spoke, he says, my brother, my brother, you have what you have. I don't want to take your gift. And he even says, I'll leave some of my people with you and let them accompany you to your destination. And in the simple reading of the Pasuk, it's difficult to say that all of this was only um, a farce. It was only a, a cover-up. <clears throat> and really, Esau didn't mean it. And that, therefore, Rashi says, yes, there is an opinion, like Rabbi Shimon Yechai, that at that time he did undergo a temporary trans transformative moment. Now we'll understand why Rashi, remember we asked, why does Rashi introduce the two Purushim by saying there are two Purushim, which means in his eyes, they're both equally valid. Why does he say that is because According to both interpretations, we have a question. According to the first opinion that says it wasn't a real kiss, we don't understand how, how does it make sense that Esau is so obviously emotional here? If it wasn't real, how does he weep? And how does he say, I want to thank you, brother, you keep what you have, and I'm going to leave my people here to go with you? It seems that the kiss was real. But according to Rabbi Shimon Yechai, if you say he kissed him wholeheartedly, that that there's a problem. How do you, how do you get from total hatred to have such a transformation, not just to acceptance and embrace, but to total, but to, to kissing? So both interpretations are equal because each of them has some kind of a a a, a, a difficulty that the other doesn't have. There's, so, there's no, so therefore, there's no real um, uh, preference of which way to learn. Paragraph 10. 
a Talmud Mamulach, a, a, a sharp Mamulach is like salt. When something is salt, it's 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 sharper. A sharper student. I think that's where Mamulach comes from, Melach. Sure. Uh, or maybe Mamulach uh, uh, it can also mean a blend. Okay, I'm not sure. Translated as season. Season. That would be like salt. So so a seasoned Talmud would ask, ultimately, since Rabbi Shimon Yechai is the one that emphasizes that Esav, he's the one who says that the halacha, that it's it's a given that Esav hates Yaakov. How is he the one that over here takes such a radical approach and says, here the kiss was true. Like you seem to be in the other camp. You seem to be saying that Esau is incapable of loving Yaakov. Yet in this story you say, but this time it was true. So Rashi hints at the explanation by bringing his name to the picture. He brings the name Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai. Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai was very enigmatic. And here there's an incredible lesson for us. Rabbi Shimon Yechai was in the time of the exile of Rome. Well, the exile of Edom, basically the continuation of Esau was Rome. Esau is Edom, and Edom goes on to be Rome. Rabbi Shumi Yechai lived in a time of very, very difficult decrees against the Jews. And against him individually, he had to run away from the Romans, and he had to be in a cave, hidden in a cave, 13 years. There was a, there was a death warrant out for him. Nonetheless, we find that when he had to go to Rome, to go and plead the case to take away a decree on the Jewish people. And he was he was the one that was elected to be sent. They said, let's send Rabbi Shimon Yechai. He is melumed benissim. He's well-versed in miracles. Miracles happen to him all the time. Who are you going to send to go to the dangerous area? A guy who, Shlomazel, uh, you want to send a guy? Who, it's, it's, it's okay. He's always okay because the extra, extra supernatural will happen. He will have a miracle, right? And so even though he had, he knew about the great hatred that the Roman kingdom had to the Jews, and especially to him, he was able, yes, miraculously, that he, they told him, ask us whatever it is you want us to do. And uh, just one second. You know what? I'm not sure exactly the translation. I should have looked it up. Uh, ask whatever you want and we'll bring it up to the storehouses but somehow through this the, the bottom line in the story is that he was able to rescind the decree so now th- th- there's there's a um, there's a a, a a contradiction here that he's living in on the one hand they hate him and on the other hand he's somehow able to get them to to, to basically agree to do whatever he wants. That's what he's learning here in this narrative of Yaakov and Esau. He's learning that Yaakov was a Yaakov was a miraculous person. And therefore, it's not a big deal that he was able, through his approach to Esau, something took place there miraculously. Even though Halacha, naturally, Esau hates Yaakov, at that time, Esau's emotions were heated and he became overwhelmingly emotional to the favor of Yaakov and he kissed him with all his heart. This also fits. It's interesting because it talks about living in uh, in, uh, in an impossible living in um, 
there's a word I'm looking for living in uh, in a paradox uh, living in, in a um, there's another word okay yeah contradiction paragraph 11 this also fits with the content of what Rabbi Shimon and Yechai was his way of life, his, his mode of, of serving Hashem in the inner track of things. We find that coming out of the cave, we find that Rabbi Elazar, he came out of the cave with his son Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar looked at the world and everything burnt. Whatever Rabbi Elazar burnt and made sick, Rabbi Shimon, his father, healed. In other words, the um, you would think Let me just see like this. Make a fint. You find that, in other words, the, the healing that Abshimon gave, that would seem to fit the world more. You see, there's there's a struggle here. There's a struggle, and that is, do I say the world is just negative? Really tires everything. Being in the in the in the in the in the cave 13 years and being people that say that the Torah was their whole life, was everything they did. Rabbi Laza came out and saw the world. What does it mean he burnt the world? It means how are how are people just engaging in menial things? Why are they just leaving Hashem to make the miracles and they should just be sitting and studying? But Rabbi Shimon was part of that camp. You would expect that he couldn't be the one to heal Rabbi Elazar's uh, um, uh, almost um, extremism. He was he was an extremist in a sense like that. He also was of the opinion only Torah. Yet, he comes out and he's able to heal what Rabbi Elazar with his extreme outlook burns. But don't you belong to that ex same extreme outlook? But no. He lives together. He, he's able to also live in the world at the same time. And therefore, he's able to bring healing to the world. What does Rabbi Shim Ben Yechoi say? Shim Ben Yechoi says something even more radical. He says, We talk about this always on Lag Boimer. I could really absolve the entire world from being judged. In other words, the merits that I have, if I give them to the community, the world will not be judged. What does it mean, lifter, to absolve? Sadikim don't need absolving. Usually, if he gets every, if he inspires everybody to do teshuva, you don't need to absolve the sins. Then they they rectified it themselves. It means that they remain sinful. The world is still in a place where it's negative. But Rabbi Shimon Yechoi has the power. He's able to somehow tolerate within himself all of the iniquity, and therefore, because of his great merit, the world will be absolved. This is, in a way, much greater than changing something in the world. If he would have changed the way enough, if, if he creates a, 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 an inspiration in the world which causes the world to become elevated, so then the world has now become elevated to a place which is different than its previous state. And the bad has now become transformed. Here, Rabbi Shimon Yechai is saying, we can, even in this world, which has negativity, we can bring down Hashem's presence in that space, with the negativity that's still in place. In other words, when you when you elicit such a high level of Hashem, 
such a high level of Kedusha, it can even exist there in the impossibility of, of antagonism towards it. However, to understand it, but if we move this back here, Yaakov with Esav is, he didn't cause Esav to do Teshuvah. You know, when, when uh, Yishmael did Teshuvah, that's why it says that Yishmael buried Avraham together with Yitzchak. Because Yishmael did Teshuvah. Esav doesn't say anyway he did Teshuvah. But it does say, what happened here is not that Esav transformed. It's that Esav the way he was Esav with the accolade attached to him that we all know Esav hates Yaakov. He didn't change. Nonetheless, in this instance, that Esav had a a, a warming, a heating of emotion, and he kissed him with all his heart. So let's look at this as a lesson in life, Yud base, because um, sometimes we think there's no possibility for me to be good because I'm in a bad environment, or I can't achieve perfection, so let me not even try and do anything. Here the lesson is as follows, paragraph 12. What's the lesson for our time in Golosedim? We're in the, the exile that's called the exile of Esau, Edom. We have both aspects here to pay attention to. From the one hand, we can't rely on the kingship. We can't rely on the governments in our Malchus, in the, in the kingdom of Edom, because we know there's a rule. Esau hates Yaakov. So does that mean that's it? We're doomed? No. On the other hand, a Yid has the Koyach, just like Yaakov did, to be able to affect Esau in a way that Esau is in a temporary, at least, conditional um, state of state of presence of, of or state of mind or attitude that his emotion is heated to the point that he's able to kiss Yaakov, kiss the Jewish nation with all his heart. He can help them. He can uh, uh, give forth whatever is needed for the Jews to fulfill what they need in order to serve Hashem in their way. He can even be like Esau said, I'm going to send people to go with you. It happened. It happened in history that Yaakov is able to engage with Esau in a way that Esau actually does have a temporary transformative stage where he's, he's ready to help him. That can happen now as well. And when does that happen? When does the non-Jewish the non-Jewish authorities pay homage, so to speak, or come to help Yaakov in that way when the Jew stands strong in his behavior of Torah mitzvahs. Even when he is in a position of exile and he doesn't become um, swayed for non-Jews or for non-Jewishness, the things that want him to, to change his Jewishness, his Jewish behavior. And Esau and he's ready to pronounce it to Esau. What did Yaakov say to Esau? I lived with Laman and I kept the Tariag mitzvahs. I lived in a very, very, very challenging environment spiritually, but I still kept all the 630 mitzvahs. A Jew has to be able to proudly say, I'm living in a world, but I'm sticking strong to my values. And through that, what becomes fulfilled in an actual way is what it says in the Aftarah that Chazen Evadya it was the vision of Avadya, Hashem says to Edom. We know that Avadya was really a convert from the nation of Edom. And about this it says that the saying goes that Mineo um, Be'abo, uh, from the Nasal Be'nargo, from the, I'm not sure, 
the translation with the concept. What, what's the translation there? From the forest comes the axe. From the forest comes the axe. In order to have an axe, you need a piece of wood. So actually the wood itself is helping to chop down further wood. So Ovadia is a, a convert from Edom who now comes and prophesizes about the ending of Edom. As the Pasuk finishes, that the, the uh, translation, the Meshim. Um, what's the translation there? That they will go up on the mountain of Zion, the saviors, will go up on the mountain of Zion to, to judge Har Esav and Hashem will have the kingship. And this is already really hinted at in our parsha where it says that he kissed him and then he said, let's after the kiss, he said, come, let's go together. Yaakov says, no, 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 no. You go, I'll be joining you. He wasn't lying. He meant, I'll be joining you when I come to conquer in, um, in the time of Mashiach. So may this be a reality speedily in our days. So we have here the, 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 the message that even when we live in, a, in an environment, even when we live in a world which um, is not necessarily our friend, it doesn't mean to say that we can't engage in a way that's favorable. We can't, in, 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 in certain periods in history, certainly, be living in a way where there's a coexistence, and not just a coexistence, a forced coexistence, even against the context of overall, Jews are not beloved, but in circumstances, and this circumstances could be tens of years, maybe even hundreds of years. It's not, it's not a, it's, it's, it's a time-bound thing of how temporary or not temporary. It's a stage. Like we know the Jews have had stages where they've lived many, many years in peaceful environments where the, the local governments, local uh, society has helped and, 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 uh, and accepted them. And there's been other times where the ace of mentality was more pronounced. So this tells us we, we, we can live even before Mashiach comes, we can live in this um, impossibility of sorts. But again, we're like Yaakov, Melumid Benissim. The transformation can happen because we're a miraculous people, just like Yaakov, our forefather. And with this, we conclude the... Um,